Welcome everyone to our NCAA social series. This is episode 60. I'm Andy Katz. Pleased to be joined by Shane Lyons, who in his day job is the athletic director at West Virginia, but also wears many hats. He is in charge of the football oversight committee for division one and soon will be the division one council chair, which of course takes on even more responsibility, Shane. So uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, basically items on your plate going forward in this year. If last year wasn't busy enough between all your jobs. So first um, you were last on last summer in the middle of the pandemic, as we were trying to think, could we even have a fall football season? Uh, and at that point, we didn't know if everyone could participate. If some, we of course later learned that the PAC 12 and big 10 decided later in the year or in the summer to get on board. And we had a season, although with many disruptions. So from then to now, uh, just overall first, where do you think we are in terms of how far we've come with preparing for football? Well, I think we've come a long way, Andy. I mean, as you mentioned, last July, we had some long conversations about, you know, if we could have a season and what that season would look like. And as you mentioned, a couple conferences decided that uh, they weren't going to play. And, and the three other Power Five conferences ultimately decide we're going to play. It was a little bit of delayed start, knowing there could be disruptions through there. And I, I think you're right. There were disruptions. Um, but, you know, overall, you had about 85% of the games actually being completed. So if you told me last July we would have gotten through the football season with 85% of the games being played, that were actually on the schedule. The other two conferences decided playing later on, got through a basketball season really about the same way, had some disruptions along the way, had a very unique uh, final four, uh, you know, with uh, everybody being in kind of the bubble atmosphere. And then you got through all your fall sports, all your spring sports, some of your spring sports obviously played championships. So across the board, you know, specifically in football, I, I consider success, you know, working through a pandemic and, you know, a lot of credit goes to our membership. And in the first and foremost, as we talked last year, was about the health and safety of our student athlete. And we put the right protocols in place to, to make sure that that happened, that there was testing, there was, there were, you know, uh, testing for cardiac issues if, if a student athlete did test positive for uh, the virus. So, there was a lot of things in, the, in place and, and we got through it and, and something we should be very proud of. Oh, there's no question. I mean, everyone from every level to pull this off. But what, one other thing before we dive deep into what's going forward here, I'm just curious from an athletic director's point of view, what was that like um, when you had to basically, you know, be, you know, just holding on, stressed every time you got those test results back or your opponent and not knowing if a game was going to be played or if you had to make that call that a game could not be played because of uh, COVID issues. What, what was that anxiety stress level like? Yeah, it, it was high each week, Andy. That's, that's for sure. We tested on Sundays, then on Wednesdays, and then Friday mornings. So really, you started seeing and set on that uh, Sunday test and if you could get through that, I kind of found that you were probably in pretty good shape. Um, and then, you know, obviously the Wednesday test rolled around and then Friday morning before, at least in the Big 12, before we got on the plane to travel or uh, a, another Big 12 team was coming to us, you know, we would have those test results in by noon. 
so, you know, there was a lot of phone calls with other athletic directors, Andy, you know, during the week to say, where are you all at? You know, what does it look like? Um, you know, we got through a full season. Unfortunately, we got late in the middle of December, had a, a makeup game against Oklahoma. Uh, you know, the, the initial game, they had uh, issues with their, their program for our Thanksgiving weekend game. And then two weeks later, we got through all the way through the season. And then ultimately that makeup game, it caught up with us. So it was stressful, you know, throughout. I, I will say that, and, and a lot of the public doesn't know this, just from West Virginia's perspective, and I, I can say this is probably very uh, similar to other Power 5 schools. As of probably last week, we had given over 36,000 tests just within the athletic department of our student athletes. So that shows you the sacrifices our student athletes, our coaches, uh, a staff, everybody put in, you know, with that many tests going throughout the, the, the season. So needless to say, it was a stressful season. Um, but we have light at the end of the tunnel now, and, and we look forward to uh, a, new, a new way post-pandemic uh, post and what this is going to look like in, and in the future months. All right, so let's talk about that. Um, a year ago at this time, it, well, not now, there weren't anyone on campus, but once players got to campus, um, weight rooms were outside. They were very you know, fragmented. Who could work out? I mean, now I'm seeing on social media, everyone's working out. Um, they are in the same facility. I would argue the majority of these athletes probably pictured are vaccinated. Um, and so the rules have changed. But what are the preseason practice recommendations, suggestions? Um, you know, where are we in terms of prohibited drills? What's, what's the summer going to look like? Yeah, we started a full study as the oversight committee, you know, back in February, March uh, uh, time frame. And, and, and what that was about, it was a couple things, Andy. It was about what does recruiting look like if we get back to it, which we have. You know, we lifted the, the recruiting ban on June 1st and what that's going to look like in the summer and, and through the fall. And then we also, you know, decided to look at the total preseason practice in, in August, what that's going to look like. And there was some, you know, studies that were done on concussions and, and uh, head trauma and contact. And we felt it was necessary to take immediate action, you know, to, to try to curb some of those test results that had shown that there were more concussions in the, the actual you know, preseason than the word during the actual season itself. So uh, as football oversight chair, I asked two subgroups to meet and, and talk about the recruiting aspect and another group to talk you know, more about the preseason. And ultimately where we got was that one, you know, is, is the recruiting that opened back up. Um, we were allowing some on-campus evaluations, which we've never allowed before in, in football. And then some things uh, happening in the fall with a few extra uh, evaluations during that time period. And then we felt we had uh, a little bit more time and runway to look at the future of the recruiting. From the concussion you know, standpoint, you know, we looked at last year, we allowed uh, some activities with our student athletes, you know, with the coaches, um, you know, and, and using, you know, walkthroughs, different things. We went back to the old rule, Andy, and felt like this summer, 
that that was not necessarily what we wanted to do in the summer. So the focus got into August and said, what are we going to do in August once the, the student athletes report? So they can do their still their summer eight weeks of workouts, but nothing through walkthroughs and all that. Then we started looking at the preseason and we felt that there had to be some limitations that we put. You know, we extended the the, the acclimatization period from five days to seven days. So that 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 helps with helmets and, and spider pads are, are now currently allowed. We also limited the number of contacts, uh, full contacts, bring me in full contact, bring you to the ground, tackling to nine and then other contacts that are not taking the student athlete to the ground, full tackling to also to nine, you know, practice opportunities. And that, that gets your 25 practice opportunities that each institution has. With that also, we, we looked at prohibited drills as you talked about. And it was important to us to look to say, what, what are actually football drills and not drills that just test the strength or, you know, the hype and all that. So you, you look at drills that were direct you know, in-line contact, and, and, and we call those, you know, direct line contacts, and we felt that those weren't necessary, so some of the names that we've all heard, the Oklahoma drill, the bull in the ring, you know, drills, and we looked at that and, and said, you know, that, that's not necessary, that's really not, you know, it, it is football, but it's not football in the sense of teaching, you know, teaching blocking drills, teaching tackling drills, teaching other things that we, we felt that those were just unnecessary drills that, you know, had potential head impacts associated with them. So that's where we came up. And that's just not preseason. The prohibited drills, Andy, are throughout the entire football season. That would be the, the you know, in season, you know, preseason, in season and in, in the spring. And we felt that was necessary. And and, uh, you know, we, we had great response and I know it was a long answer to your, your question here, but, you know, this was just not the football oversight committee. This was collaboration among the, the American Football Coaches Association, the uh, Committee on Medical Safeguards and Aspects. There, there was a large number of people and different, different groups coming together to put this proposal together, which was ultimately adopted by the council. So, you know, we feel very good of where we've, we've landed, but that doesn't mean that it's, it's, you know, that we're at the end. That means that we're going to continue studying this and looking at the future as well uh, for, for future preseasons. What did you hear from the student athletes? Pretty much the same thing. You know, I, I failed to mention, I mean, they, they were part of our committee. They were part of the group. We have uh, uh, a couple different student athletes that's actually on the committee, but we also have the student athlete connection group. Uh, that's ran by one of the student athletes um, and they take that back to, to a group and you know the participation's anywhere from 10 to 20 student athletes and they took that back not only the the prohibited drills but the whole model itself and there was a lot of positive feedback from our student athletes of saying you know this is the way the practices should be you know conducted you know i will share that you know when we initially came back we had less number of contacts you know that we did we had you know it turned out when i say a 799 model you know 7 in the acclimatization period and then you know 8 uh, or 9 in now in, in non or contact but not full contact and then nine full contact uh, practices and so you know the student athletes initially 
we we had a uh, I believe it was an eight or a seven seven model or something like that and we actually increased that after talking to student athletes and saying we feel there needs to be another you know a practice or as an eight eight model we need to have an additional contact you know practice in there so there was a lot of, you know, again, collaboration among student athletes and our medical folks, uh, and again, along with coaches in the committee itself. So, you know, that's where we ultimately came up with the model and, and the student athletes, one, like the remover of the prohibited drills, but then also felt there, there needed to be, you know, more opportunities for teaching and tacking, you know, in that practice. So we'll see where it goes. As you mentioned, the studies you know, we'll continue. It's not just a one-year study. We've been doing these studies for five years. We'll continue to study it and seeing, you know, what the numbers look like in the future as well. So Shane, a year ago when we talked, there was a lot of um, discussion about, you know, how many weeks a team needs to prepare for a season. Was it four? Was it six? Uh, and it allowed you guys to really uh, address, you know, sort of where you're at with the sport. Uh, and I'm curious, from that and then also recruiting, especially with the use of Zoom, what have you guys been able to take from that self-study that was necessary just to get the product on the field that you think will stay in a post-pandemic world after sort of really diving down on what is really needed? Well, I think, you know, I, what we have right now, Andy, I think is people feel it's really needed. And that's, you know, that's the 25 practices that we currently have. You know, some had argued that, you know, is it less, is it more? And, you know, the, the number kept coming back to kind of where we, we are right now. Now there are discussions that, you know, we have 20, you, you can currently right now, you count 29 days back from your first competition. And then obviously you have to have a day off a week. So you come out with 25 practices you'll find some coaches use all 25 practices. You'll find also some coaches only use 21 of the 25 or 23 of the 25. So, you know, we're right there in that neighborhood. I, I think increasing that is not the right thing to do. Um, decreasing it is probably, you know, also not the right thing to do. So I think we're in that happy meeting. Now there are some conferences that had proposed and, it did not gain a lot of traction, but there was conferences proposing that to 29 days be increased to 35 days and then have more days off during the preseason. Now, what that does is push, you know, push back your start date instead of roughly, I'm going to use an estimate here, that you're starting the first week in August. It may be the last week of July. Uh, some of our student athletes, you know, have problems with that of saying, great, you know, I, I get a couple days off a week during preseason and that just extends it. it it cuts into my summertime even though we have you know a few days off so there was not a whole lot of support initially for that that doesn't mean that we won't continue to look at that and study it Andy but I think that the student athletes felt like I want to get into preseason and get started and, and yeah one day off a week is necessary but you know having two and sometimes three days a week and, and extending camp that much longer uh, camp even at, you know, 29 days gets to be pretty long. So I think if you're looking at 35, you know, there would be concern with that. But that doesn't mean that the committee won't continue to study this and, and look at it in future months. From recruiting, and, you know, you know the recruiting aspect, I was just going to say that also as an athletic director, uh, you 
can't tell me that it doesn't save money, at least on the front end, when you're trying to determine, okay, do I really want to recruit this individual or do they want me to maybe do it in this forum? You know, you could Zoom with the parents, the coach, the workout guy, you, you name it, uh, to get to know this person and get a feel both sides before maybe even fly them in or you fly out. So there's also a cost in an advantage of using this technology. Yeah. And, and you, you just touched on it. You know, we haven't, you know, totally. And again, th this is the work of the committee, you know, in, in future months, because we really didn't have the time to really evaluate it. But, we, you know, what my charge has been, and as you mentioned, we'll talk about later, I'm sure that, you know, I'm going off as chair of the football oversight committee and becoming chair of the, uh, of the, of the council. But, you know, one of the charges that, you know, will continue to, to be, you know, placed on the, the oversight committee is looking at the total recruiting calendar and what we've learned, you know, through the pandemic and what worked and what didn't work. And, you know, I think some of the things that have worked is, you know, technology, it just, you just said, you know, we've allowed unlimited contact more or less with the student athlete, with the parents. So there was a lot of conversations you know, it used to be the phone call. Now we're having face-to-face -face conversations. Um, and they felt they got to know from my, at least my coaches and talking to them, they felt that they got to know the student athlete better because of having these, you know, Zoom calls and, and, and meeting the family and having more interaction with them face-to-face, -face, you know, through these type of uh, technologies. Um, you know, what we have to look, look at, is it necessary to have, the number of home visits? Is it necessary to be going into the high schools as much as we were? So there, there's a little bit of a, a life work balance here from the coaches. And sometimes as administrators, we always joke and say this, we got to save the coaches from themselves yeah. because you know they want to go, go, go. And, and as administrators, as you say, there's a cost element to this to say, you know, is this really necessary? Do we need to be flying coaches all around the country for a a 20 minute meeting in their house when you could have a 20 minute meeting on zoom uh, really what, what is the difference other than the setting in the living room and initially having that. So the charge of the group will be to look at the full recruiting calendar and, and take what we've learned and say, how do we cut this down? And I think the thing that's important, this is just not going to be the committee by itself. It, it is going to be the collaboration working with the AFCA and, and others, you know, to make sure that we, you know, try to come up with a model that works for everyone. Well, and there's no question the coaches certainly can do both. They can have a Zoom with a recruit and then have practice. A lot of times if they go travel to the recruit, there's no practice that day, or at least they're not at practice that day. And so, you know, this alleviates that. Uh, one last thing football related is uh, targeting. Um, the continued emphasis on targeting. Where do we stand? Yeah, the rules committee continues to, to evaluate this year in and year out. Um, you know, it's it's one rule that I believe is actually you know totally necessary. It, I believe it's working. Um, you know, there there is subjectivity. You know, in the rule, we we've gotten to the point where you know the 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 play is actually you know replayed in 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 the in the booths and people look at it and make a determination whether it's targeting or not targeting you know we did last year remove the the, the penalty where the student athlete has to leave the field uh, of play and go to the locker room um you know I, I would say i was a little bit concerned about that what that was going to mean 
but actually it's worked out very well. The student athlete obviously removed the helmet. You don't let the young man back in the game, but they can still be there for their teammates. And, and that has worked, but you know, the rule itself, Andy, in, in it's, it's controversial in needless to say, because you have subjectivity to it. But when you watch and, and again, what we're trying to do is protect the student athlete, protect the, the, the game itself of, from a safety standpoint and, and try to teach young men the proper tackling techniques. Uh, and sometimes, you know, in slow motion, it, it is, you know, very obvious, but game speed, it, it's pretty quick. But, you know, I think that, you know, for the most part, we, we got it right. And you, you see, you know, less number of, of targeting uh, issues that we, when, from when we started, you know, you see the student athlete, um, you know, there were, you know, as we called it, there were some student athletes that were headhunters out there. And, you know, you've seen that number drop, you know, of the number, like, you know, a student athlete, I think in one year uh, had over, you know, five or six, you know, targeting calls against that one individual that's dropped dramatically as well, because they know they're not going to play the, the full game or miss, you know, part of the next game. So, you know, that's something that, that we'll continue to study, but, you know, do I think it's going to be, you know, a rule change to, to go back and, and not have it as part of the, the rules? I, I don't think so. I think the rules committee will continue to, to try to look at that as well as other safety rule aspects to, to make the game as safe as possible. You know, and actually one last thing I just want to bring up is that, and we talked about uh, this with uh, Brian Hainline last uh, week, the NCAA chief medical officer, you know, we're still not obviously 100% fully vaxxed. We'll never be 100% fully vaxxed. But what happens in scenarios where uh, you have teams, regardless of sport, where not every player is vaccinated uh, in terms of testing of the non-vaccinated uh, and how you deal with, you know, if you have a football team and you got 60 players and 40 are fully vaxxed, 20 are not. You know, how do you deal with teams like that where, you're going to have that dynamic potentially in different numbers. Yeah. And, and again, that's, that's the issues that we're facing. Do I have the answers today? The answer is no, Andy, I don't, but you know, as we go in, you know, I, I'm proud to say that a number of our student athletes at, at West Virginia are vaccinated and, you know, we're, we're over that 70% mark in, in several of our teams and hopefully over the summer we'll get that in, in some of the other teams as well. So you kind of build that herd immunity. Now, you know, who do you continue to, to test? You know, obviously the, the CDC requirements are saying if you're vaccinated and you're around somebody that is uh, uh, positive, that you don't have to go into quarantine. Uh, that was kind of probably the most motivation that we had for student athletes uh, to get vaccinated because they don't like to be in isolation for 14 days uh, and, and go through the other testing protocols. So, they, they, they were incentivized by that saying, hey, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the vaccine so I don't have to have to go into quarantines. So, you know, those who are not that that's still the question that's out there. Do we test them? You know, are you still put in into um, uh, quarantine and how long that's going to be and, and, and so on? So I, I think we have another couple months as, as we approach the fall season to continue working through that. But to say I have the answer today that, you know, I, I don't, you know, we're, we're working through those issues with our medical folks, uh, not only nationally with Dr. Hainline's group, but also within the conference of saying, 
what are the protocols going to be and what's that going to look like? All right, so I just want to shift. You mentioned it. Uh, I said at the top that you're going to be the, um, you know, taking on this role as the chair of the Division One Council. Um, what do you see your role, uh, you know, w- with that kind of responsibility? Well, you know, again, you know, I, I'm very honored and, and humbled to, to serve in that role, and and uh, you know, take great pride in the work that the council and, and the NCA does from a, from a legislative standpoint. I, I do think there's still a number of issues the NCAA is is facing, and hopefully, before my chair begins on July one, we'll get the name, image, likeness, uh, you know, proposals uh, off the table and adopted, and and start implementing that, you know, before that July first date, and what that's going to look like, and you know how that's going to impact institutions. So, uh, you know, Grace Calhoun has done a great job of, of, of steering the ship here as we went through some very turbulent times with the pandemic and the number of issues that we dealt with, the transfers. So, but there's still a lot of issues that, you know, constantly the NCAA and, and the, you know, faces day in and day out, um, you know, but, you know, I'm going to, you know, obviously take the role and, and try to, to lead the membership and, and through the bureaucracies that we have. And, and, and again, I think sometimes we're criticized as we talk that, you know, are there things through the bureaucracy? Sometimes, you know, the NCA is criticized for saying that it takes too long to, to, to make movement. And we've shown during this pandemic that we can do that. We have the flexibility. We can move faster in some situations than uh, we have in the past. So, you know, we'll have to, to monitor that and look at issues and say, are these issues that, that need immediate change or do they go through the, the normal legislative process? So, you know, we'll continue to work through those those items and, and work with the NCAA staff and the membership uh, to, to, to try to make college athletics the best that we can. Well, Shane, I think it'll be in good hands uh, with you as the head of the Division One Council. Maybe you can use a little influence for the Hall of Fame to get Bob Huggins in there uh, as well, uh, just to get more power. Uh, but anyway, I digress. Um, all right, so first of all, uh, let's hope for a successful and safe summer uh, as we hope for full stadiums and uh, full participation in the fall in all sports. So uh, this will conclude our uh, NCAA Social Series, episode number 60. As always, you can go to ncaa.org social series where all of them are archived. Shane Lyons, the Athletic Director of West Virginia, the Chair of the Division One. Oversight Committee outgoing, now incoming Division One Council Chair. Appreciate your time. As everyone, stay safe out there, and we'll talk.